flood warning in effect. It's tough going through this again. It's bringing back memories of what we had to go through then. It was a very difficult time. Stress levels rise as water inundates the fields. A life-changing home renovation goes wrong. This man knew what we were trying to accomplish. He knew why we were doing it. A family loses a fortune as a contractor leaves them high and dry. This research is highly invasive, inhumane, and incredibly dangerous. Animal researchers defending their use of controversial traps on coyotes in Stanley Park. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. The Fraser Valley is seeing the worst effects so far of the heavy rain pummeling parts of coastal BC. Excavators work to remove a mudslide that cut off a home on Old Yale Road east of Abbotsford. Trees and rocks slid down overnight as heavy rain soaked the hills. It comes as forecasters warn of more rain headed our way, particularly tonight and into Monday morning. Flooding today in Abbotsford has farmers demanding new protections from rising waters. A flood warning was issued early in the afternoon for the Sumas River as the Nooksack River across the border started to burst its banks. Though conditions are not as bad, you will recall those two rivers played a large role in the 2021 floods in the Fraser Valley. Angela Jung reports. Fields turn to ponds. These Abbotsford farmers anxiously watching the water levels go up. We're very stressed out about that of the situation if we're looking at what's in front of us right now. Harry Sadu says his blueberry farm hasn't made a full recovery since the catastrophic floods in 2021. It's very difficult going through this and seeing the water table being so high and the flooding right now, bringing back a lot of bad memories. I'm standing in at least one foot of water. Blueberry farmers tell me that these are freshly planted and being in all this water would cause root rot and disease. The farmer's anxiety heightened when Sunday morning the River Forecast Center issued a flood warning for Sumas. The Nooksack River in Washington state spilled over across the border, but the agency expects the water to recede by the evening. We're not expecting widespread uh, flooding at this point. We're not expecting any kind of pressure onto the diking of the structure that's protecting the Sumas Prairie. And so still quite different than the 2021 event. We're in a boat going down this road here. Nearly unrecognizable. This was Dave Martin's property back in November 2021. We lost all the animals in our barn on the bottom floor. We lost 40,000 chickens. So it was quite traumatic at that time. We're just finishing, just finishing rebuilding our barn. In response to the heavy rain, the city of Abbotsford says the Barrowtown pump station has all four pumps running with crews on site around the clock. Martins believes the current infrastructure isn't adequate. So we need the, the pump station upgraded, we need a pump on the Sumas River, and we need continued support for the diking system. And that needs to come from federal, provincial, and local government. The city agrees. Last summer, it submitted a $1.6 billion application for more funding, but hasn't heard back from senior levels of government, adding it is critical that we need to move forward with the most urgent works related to our long-term flood mitigation plan. The B.C. ministry responsible was not available to answer questions Sunday. These farmers hope much-needed upgrades are not delayed. Food's important. We have to take care of this. Angela Jung, Global News. 
As for where we'll see the heaviest rainfall, we're joined by senior meteorologist Christy Gordon. Christy. Travis, well, the impact of yesterday's rain, which was widespread all across the south coast, certainly being felt. But the one that is moving in, the system that's moving in this evening is very different. So this next system is the atmospheric river that we've been talking about. And we are going to see periods of rain across Metro Vancouver, but not consistent or prolonged heavy rain. The focus of the heavy rain is actually going to be northwest of Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, focusing in on the west coast of Vancouver Island, the Sunshine Coast, House and touching into the North Shore. So those are the areas that are going to be the focused over the next um, 24 to 48 hours. And we are expecting conditions to get better in those areas. Nonetheless, this is only storm number two of the series that we've been watching. We do have more rain in the forecast for Wednesday. Back to you. Okay, Christy, thank you. Crews had to rescue a person from the fast-flowing Capilano River. Witnesses heard a man cry for help just before noon from the middle of the river. It's not clear how he got there. Two Swiftwater technicians deployed with a raft to reach the man. They loaded him in and say he was suffering from hypothermia, but conscious enough to speak. Crews are reminding people to stay away from fast-flowing rivers. Skiers and snowboarders were evacuated from a chairlift at Big White Ski Resort Saturday afternoon after a bearing seized in the lift's electric motor. The resort's senior vice president confirmed it happened on the Black Forest chairlift. He said the lift has a diesel motor and under safety protocols, staff had to evacuate it. The engine will need to be replaced and the chairlift will not be operational for the foreseeable future. Animal rights activists are sounding the alarm over a plan to study coyotes in Stanley Park. The research itself is not the issue, but as Paul Johnson reports, they're not happy with the way animals will be captured for study. A coyote in our patio. A coyote hanging out recently on a deck in Ladner. Greater Vancouver is home to many coyotes. And as the human population grows, we have the situation of people moving into their territory. We're really trying to get a thorough understanding of their behavior, of their diets, of their health, of their movement patterns. Sarah Benson Amram is the UBC professor leading a new study of urban coyotes. They want to track coyotes in Stanley Park over a period of years with radio callers. But to get those callers on, they'll need to trap those coyotes first. The proposals incredibly alarming. Leslie Fox is with the animal rights group, the Fur Bearers. She says one of the capture methods for the study is leg hold traps, which she believes are inhumane and can be indiscriminate. Any animal can be harmed in these devices. So not just the coyotes, but non-target wildlife in our parks, including raccoons, skunks, squirrels, voles, birds like owls. Benson Amram says the likelihood of that is low and her team will be set up to respond to triggered traps within 15 minutes. So this is very likely not the exact trap they're going to use, but the principle is the same. The trap is put out, there would be bait put around it, that would attract a coyote that would step on the plate in the center and trigger the trap. We can't know how that feels for a coyote, but the padded trap that we used here left these marks on a potato to give you a sense of its force. Benson Amram has years of experience trapping wildlife. Here's her sense of what it's like for a coyote in a leg hold trap. 
with the padded leg hold traps, um, it really is not something that, uh, as far as we know, is painful for them when you, you can even put your own arm in a leg hold trap or finger in it. The traps will be set out on a date yet to be determined, and they'll only be used at night when the park is closed. The Vancouver Park Board has approved the study, and it's been signed off on by a number of experts in animal care and ethics. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Vancouver police are investigating the city's first homicide of the year. Officers were called to a home near East 33rd Avenue and Knight Street just after 1 this morning. A man was found dead inside the home, but at this point police don't know who he is. A 39-year-old man was also arrested at the scene. Police say there's no risk to the public and are not saying how the man was killed. A family in Fort Langley say their needed renovations have gone badly off the rails. One of the family members is largely confined to a bed, so the family decided to expand rooms and make the space more livable. But they say the contractor they hired has left the province and left them facing a large hole. Grace Key reports. He just wanted to get enough trust quickly that we would hand over more money. Erin Kreider is devastated after she says a contractor took advantage of her family situation. Two years ago, major renovations began at her parents' Fort Langley home. Erin has a rare neuromuscular disease and was looking forward to getting out of the room. And so having the ability to be a part of life no matter whether we are eating a meal or sitting and watching a movie. The parents hired a contractor who quickly became a family friend. He even asked if he could pray with Aaron after a return from hospital. He said that he had had childhood cancer, spent a lot of time in the hospital himself, knew what it felt like, and understood my situation better than most people would. And so, yeah sat, prayed, talked, had mom and dad participate in his wedding. There's supposed to be rough and plumbing done for Aaron's bathroom in this area here. Uh, that never happened. But things started to go sideways. Aaron's father, Timothy, a former RCMP officer, says the contractor kept asking for money. Workers said they weren't getting paid and construction came to a stop. And that's when I really started to dig and that's when I found out that he had shorted the concrete guys. He was shorting his other trades. Timothy found 10 other clients in similar situations. He says the contractor filed for bankruptcy and left the province. The family is out $326,000 with less than half the work done. They've hired a new contractor through a family friend and they're trying to raise money and materials to complete the renovations. This man knew what we were trying to accomplish. He knew why we were doing it. And that didn't matter. Timothy is hoping this will become Aaron's forever home with enough space for a future caretaker. Grace Key, Global News. Still ahead, checking in on Hollywood North. After two lengthy industry strikes, how's it looking for those now trying to break into the biz? And the iconic White Rock Pier is a must-visit destination, but it seems not everyone can get there. The calls to make the pier and promenade accessible to all.
People who work in BC's film industry say they're bouncing back after three years of disturbance and labor strife, giving new hope to those hoping to work on screen and behind the scenes. Cassidy Moscone has the story. In action. First it was the pandemic, then a historic 148-day writer's strike. Now Vancouver Film School is declaring Hollywood North officially back. It's roaring back now. Giving Global News a glimpse into the world of working actors during its open house in downtown Vancouver Sunday. Uh, film, TV, video games, uh, animation, like we teach it all here and people get like a little sampler of everything. BC is one of the largest motion picture hubs in Canada and North America. Figures from the province reveal the industry generates 44,000 full-time jobs with more than 88,000 workers in the field. The Hollywood strikes last year hitting BC hard too. Arts Minister Lana Popham telling Global News, we've seen more than 20 productions that have resumed shooting, including season four of Superman and Lois. We're also excited to welcome eight HBO's The Last of Us to BC for season two. Usually BC would have about 33 productions right now. There's been some layoffs, etc. But overall, if you look at the overall arc and growth of VFX and games, it's expanding. There's 15 different courses here. One of the leading programs is visual effects. It's a huge feeder for jobs in industry, some that operate right here on campus. We shoot motion capture, so we do cinematics, gameplay, everything that you would see in uh, a video game. Our entire shoot team is VFS alumni, so having this in our backyard, uh, it, it just kind of all pulled us in. Uh, being able to step from school right into industry, uh, it just was magic. The magic of the screen, ready for its next star. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Less than a decade after new towers soared over Brentwood Town Centre, the site is already slated for a major expansion. The development is looking to add 4.7 million square feet of housing to what has already been approved. That would more than double the amount of residential space. The revision still needs to be approved by Burnaby City Council. Public consultation is expected to begin in February. A Burnaby City Councillor is proposing more car-free day events in the city to keep communities vibrant in the summer months. Councillor Pietro Calandino is proposing car-free events each Sunday from May to mid-September. He'd like to see urban centres around Hastings, Kingsway, Edmonds, 6th Street and Central Boulevard be transformed into carnival-style events. Calandino has put a motion forward for staff to study the feasibility of the project. I think there is enthusiasm in the community. I already received a number of emails. Uh, uh, I'm very happy that this is taking place and, and would be making uh, Burnaby a more sustainable and enjoyable community. So there is support from the public. Uh, we now have to convince the uh, businesses that it is beneficial to them as well. The motion is set to be presented to council tomorrow. A White Rock woman is raising concerns over the accessibility of the city's iconic pier. Susan Baines has lived in White Rock for over 15 years. She's been living life in a wheelchair for the last two years and says she finds it unsafe to visit the pier because of the bumps and gaps between the planks. Baines is asking the city to install a specialized mat along the pier. She says she's presented the idea to the city's engineering director in the past but was turned down. <laughs> And I'm there to prove them wrong. I've done the research. You know, I've had 
examples where they would say that the wood would rot under the mat. And in fact, it wouldn't rot. It would actually protect the wood. So things like this, I want to clarify to bring to their attention. Uh, and then I want this to be the most accessible, inclusive pier in Canada. Bain says the mat would run the length of the pier and prevent any wheels from getting stuck in the gaps in the planks. Baines will be presenting her proposal to mayor and council on Monday. A major donation is set to help those working to restore lands scarred by natural resource extraction. Tech Resources is funding a Center for Ecosystem Reclamation at Thompson Rivers University in Kamloops, with Lachlan Fraser being, being its first chair. CFJC's Michael Reeve has more on what the donation means for future reclamation scientists. Most importantly, um, we are developing the new generation of reclamation scientists. The more than half billion dollar investment in Thompson Rivers University will see Dr. Lachlan Fraser head up a Center for Ecosystem Reclamation, working directly with Tech Highland Valley Copper. We've shown through um, the reclamation that has been done at HVC over the past 20 years um, that the microbial communities are progressively returning to the reference sites, the undisturbed areas. So we're already seeing positive um, results in terms of reclamation success. While reclamation work has been ongoing at the mine site for decades, the latest funding will allow the partners to work towards new strategies in the face of climate change. This work very much supports our ultimate goal of ensuring that we can successfully return these lands um, once the mining operations is complete. And it's through utilizing industry-leading uh, ecosystem reclamation practices that we'll be able to do that. Overall, the centre will help the university increase their work on how climate change is affecting our region. To continue advancing their pressing environmental research, and that's a key priority for TRU. Dr. Fraser's work is critical and central to TRU's growing body of research that seeks to understand many of the problems we face with today's climate. While the work itself is focused on reclaiming land used for mineral extraction, Fraser noted that the practices in science can also be related to work on recovery from wildfire and drought. We need to build resilient communities that can withstand drought. So we are thinking about biodiversity and we're thinking about how we can progressively build our communities, not only to make them more resilient, but it actually in increases the speed in which they recover. The work at Tech is now underway with the research focusing on the development of techniques to help develop native plant communities on tailing ponds and on other mine features. Michael Reeve, CFJC News. Still to come, a former world junior hockey player surrenders to police. He's one of five players on Canada's 2018 roster, reportedly at the centre of a sexual assault investigation. And today's government leaders pay respects to a past pillar of Canadian politics, the state funeral for Ed Broadbent. Political leaders gathered in Ottawa today to say goodbye to longtime NDP leader Ed Broadbent. Sunday's state funeral, a ceremony usually reserved for prime ministers and governors general, was an opportunity for political colleagues and rivals to come together. They said farewell to the man who was at one point considered the country's most popular politician. We will miss him.
We are so fortunate that he chose to spend his life in pursuit of his vision and his hope for justice and fairness for all. We will never forget him. And Ed, we won't let you down. Broadbent represented his hometown of Oshawa in the House of Commons for 21 years, including 14 as leader of the federal NDP. Under his leadership, the party expanded from 17 seats to what was then a record 43. He was 87 when he died earlier this month. Three U.S. service members have been killed and at least 25 others injured in a deadly drone attack on a small U.S. outpost in Jordan overnight. According to U.S. Central Command, a drone struck a U.S. base in northeast Jordan, a base U.S. officials have identified as Tower 22. The base lies along the Syrian border and is used by U.S. troops to assist Jordanian forces. But a spokesperson for Jordan's government says the drone strike was actually inside Syria and targeted the U.S. Al-Tanf military base. No group has claimed responsibility, but in a statement, U.S. President Joe Biden said it was carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq and that the U.S. will hold all those responsible. We had a tough day last night in the Middle East, and we shall respond. Canadian hockey player Alex Formanton was seen entering the London police station Sunday afternoon. This comes after the Globe and Mail reported that five former members of Canada's World Junior Hockey Team have been told to surrender to police in London, Ontario. The newspaper says it's related to allegations of a group sexual assault in a hotel room in London in 2018. Amar Khan reports. Decked out in a grey jacket with white sneakers, his lawyers on either side of him, Former NHL player Alex Formenton turned himself in at London Police Headquarters, where his legal team confirmed he and several other players were charged in relation to an alleged sexual assault by members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Team. Formenton left with his lawyers less than two hours later. In a statement, Formenton's legal team said the London Police have charged several players, including Alex Formenton, in connection with an accusation made in 2018. Alex will vigorously defend his innocence and ask that people not rush to judgment without hearing all of the evidence. According to a report by the Globe and Mail, five members of Canada's World Junior Team were told to surrender to police. Four current NHL players who were also on that 2018 Junior Team were given indefinite leaves as announced by their teams this week. Although there is no confirmation they are related to the Globe report. Lawyers for Philadelphia Flyers goalie Carter Hart and Dylan Dubé of the Calgary Flames have previously said their clients did not engage in any wrongdoing. Cal Foote and Michael McLeod of the New Jersey Devils also left their team. Foote has also publicly denied being involved. News of the alleged assault first broke in May 2022, when TSN reported Hockey Canada had settled a civil lawsuit with the complainant known as EM who was 20 years old at the time she told police about an alleged sexual assault by a group of junior hockey players. It'll be at least a year before we get to a trial, at least a year, if not longer. And Daphne Gilbert, who teaches sexual assault law, says the timeline of this case could drag on even more if the accused are tried separately. And the case, she says, comes down to the question of consent. A person cannot consent unless they're capable of consenting. That's directly in the law. So capable of consent means being able to express affirmative consent. And so we have very strong laws. Only yes means yes. So passivity doesn't mean yes. Silence doesn't mean yes. Um, a failure to get up and leave does not mean yes. 
uh, you know, they needed to have from her affirmative outright consent. London police have not commented on the case, saying they anticipate holding a press conference on February 5th. Mike Drolet, Global News, Toronto. After the break, Christie's got the latest on all that rain. Also, the trains that are running rain or shine. We'll head to Campbell River, where train enthusiasts are getting an up-close look at some model locomotives. The U.S. Coast Guard has released dramatic video of a rescue from a cargo ship on the Columbia River this week. Coast Guard personnel were lowered onto the deck of a freighter after two crew members on a bulk carrier were injured. It happened Thursday and it's not clear how they were hurt. The two crew members were taken to hospital in Portland. They're both reported to be in stable condition. Now let's head back up to BC's coastline where we're going to see rainfall and lots of it. With more, we're joined by senior meteorologist Christy Gordon. Christy. Thanks so much, Travis. I thought I would start off with a satellite image of the monster that is making its way in, impacting all coastal regions right now. And here's the atmospheric river pulling in that mild but very wet flow. So this one is really going to have a narrow band of moisture that is going to impact Vancouver Island. Look at the temperatures out there right now. And I had a look at Grouse Mountain. It's eight degrees up there. So we're seeing significant snowmelt as this rainfall shifts in. We're seeing rainfall in Metro Vancouver right now, but that's going to back away as we head through the overnight period as the atmospheric river really organizes itself across Vancouver Island, Sunshine Coast, Howe Sound, touching into the North Shore Mountains, certainly, but not as much for Metro Vancouver and certainly out through the Fraser Valley. So we really are keeping our eye on these areas. So uh, Sea to Sky Highway, for example, Highway 4, those areas will have a lot of water coming down the rocks. Meanwhile, as we head to into our Friday, the, sorry, Monday, uh, it, we will continue with that very organized band until the evening hours when it shifts back over Metro Vancouver, bringing heavy rain once again but it shifts out overnight Monday into Tuesday and we'll actually be left with a bit of blue sky Tuesday but again here's that narrow band of moisture really impacting these areas with substantial rainfall and we're going to see significant snow melt so this is tonight through the day tomorrow and then it will push out to a Monday night and we'll see a little bit of a break in the action as we head into our Tuesday so this is your Tuesday or Monday forecast pardon me we are going to see mainly dry conditions in through the southern interior 11 degrees as a daytime high in Kamloops. Showers are expected there by the evening hours, but southern Vancouver Island mostly dry tomorrow. Uh, Fraser Valley mostly dry tomorrow. We will see a little bit of rain across Metro Vancouver, but overall we're not expecting a lot. Again, the focus of the rainfall tomorrow will be Vancouver Island, Sunshine Coast, and Howe Sound. We are expecting some rain, but the majority of the heavy rain will be tonight and then again tomorrow night for Metro Vancouver. Look at these temperatures though. These are well above seasonal for this time of year. Bit of a break in the action on Tuesday, but the rain shifts back in Tuesday night, and we are expecting heavy rain once again on Wednesday. So even as we get in behind this next system, we have more on the way. Travis, back to you. Okay, Christy, thank you. Enthusiasts put on their conductor's hats this weekend in Campbell River for the annual model train show. North Island model railroaders have been the conductors for more than 30 years. Some of the founding members are still involved, sharing their passion with a new generation of enthusiasts. They say each year they're seeing the popularity of model trains grow. Well, there is a thing that we're all gray-haired and a dying breed, but there does seem to be a lot of younger people coming up through it as well. Um, COVID really helped 
help that because a lot of people who are thinking about it all of a sudden had some time and notice there's a lot more available from the manufacturers these days. That's the beauty of, of uh, model trains is that you see little kids are mesmerized by it and then you see it in their parents and in their grandparents. You know, they're, they're, still, they're all mesmerized by trains. It, it's, it's such a phenomenon. The event acts as a fundraiser for the museum and is considered the facility's biggest weekend of the year. Those little scenes are pretty cool that they go through. Yes, it, it, uh, I was going to choo-choo on that for a second, but I didn't want to say that, but I did. I didn't want it. That's the only thing that came to mind. There's your dad joke. Can't, dad always, uh, can't always be wonderful, but uh, I'll tell you what's wonderful right now. NFL playoffs. I mean, NFL regular season this year, honestly, I thought it had some dull moments to it. It's made up for it in the playoffs. A couple of great games today, including the Chiefs and Ravens, and on the field right now, 49ers and Detroit Lions going down to the wires. We have highlights of all that coming up, and we'll hear from the Canucks, the Lions and the Whitecaps as well, so loaded show. Okay, thanks Barry, we'll check in with you in a bit. The world's biggest cruise ship is now on its maiden voyage. With a 10,000 person capacity, this cruise liner is huge, and given its size, there are concerns the ship will have a massive impact on the environment. That's after the break. In Miami, there was much fanfare on the water Saturday as the world's largest cruise ship set sail for its maiden voyage, capable of carrying nearly 10,000 people and about 365 meters long. There's no shortage of leisure aboard the multi-billion dollar icon of the seas, though there are concerns about what environmental impact this colossal vessel is leaving behind. Julia Foy reports. It's just... Wow. It, it, the, the wow factor was definitely there when you uh, boarded the ship. Roy Rosales is one of 7,600 passengers aboard the Royal Caribbean's Icon of the Seas, a mega ship that's the largest cruise liner in the world. I think the other ships now are going to be tugboats compared to this ship. Based out of Miami, the Icon boasts 20 stories, water slides, theaters, an ice rink and 40 places to eat. Travel experts say it's set on attracting a younger demographic. After COVID, it was the last to come back. So it's been cheaper than other types of travel, land packages and hotel packages. And so that is enticing to someone. But not everyone is cheering the big boat on. It runs on liquefied natural gas, which burns cleaner than many marine fuels. But environmental groups say it can also release methane gas. The moment that you start using LNG as a marine fuel, including in cruise ships, you actually start to emit more greenhouse gas emissions than if you had done nothing and continued to run on the fuels that we're using today. Hopefully the icon of the sea will be one of the last LNG ships at, because methane fracking, these are not climate solutions. However, Royal Caribbean believes it is the right fuel to help transition to cleaner options. Sustainability is uh important part of our journey to destination net zero in the future and LNG is one part of that step forward on that journey. For now the passengers are just enjoying the sail. You can go on the ship and you can go to other cities and the cities are a bonus but really the ship is 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 the destination. Julia Foy, Global News, Vancouver. The NFL Conference Championships underway today. Two games to decide who's heading to the Super Bowl. Barry will have the latest. Stay with us. 
Well, as you said earlier, the uh, playoffs not disappointing mm -hmm. when it comes to the action. Yeah, and some marquee players involved and teams for sure, too. All right, thanks, Travis. Two of the uh, best young quarterbacks in the NFL went head-to-head -head today in the AFC Championship. Patrick Mahomes, who's already won two Super Bowls and two MVP awards, taking on the Ravens' Lamar Jackson, who won MVP in 2019 and is expected to win another this season. But Mahomes has proven himself in the playoffs with a record 13 wins. Jackson, not so much. He's got just two postseason wins. Pre-game, things getting a little intense already. Hey, wait for the opening kick, boys. Chiefs came out and showed right away they mean business. Opening drive, it's Mahomes to his good buddy, Travis Kelsey, for the touchdown. All Kelsey did was make 11 catches for 116 yards and pass Jerry Rice for the most catches in NFL history. That could impress Taylor Swift, 7-0 Chiefs. But Lamar Jackson responds, and he makes a Lamar Jackson play. Buys extra time, then airs it out for Zay Flowers, who makes the diving catch for the touchdown. Touchdown, 30-yard score. What a start to this game at 7-7. But the Chief offense was clicking in the first half. They marched right down the field. A nine-minute drive capped by this Isaiah Pacheco. Two-yard touchdown run. It's 14-7 San Fran. Back to Jackson who uh, calls his own number. Usually that's a quarterback run. Not this time. His throw is deflected, but look at that. He makes the catch. An amazing play, but the Ravens were down 17-7 at the half. Opening play, fourth quarter. Ravens looking to get in the end zone. Zay Flowers diving for the goal line, but Legereus Sneed with an incredible play gets the strip just before Flowers got in, so no touchdown. It's a touchback. Niners, or it's the ball goes back to the Chiefs. Two minutes left now, 17-10. Third and long for the Chiefs, and Mahomes seals the deal with this 32-yarder to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That's the ball game, and the Chiefs are off to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. They're the defending champs, don't forget. 17-10 the final. NFC Championship, Detroit Lions at San Fran. The Lions' last playoff road win, 1957. But a great start to this one. Jared Goff to Jamison Williams, who lives up to being called a speedster. Look at that play, 42-yard touchdown, 7 nothing less than two minutes in. And Lions great Barry Sanders in the crowd, loving that. Second quarter now, 14-7 Detroit. It's Jameer Gibbs this time. The rookie takes it 15 yards for the TD, their third rushing touchdown of the half. They ran over the Niners for 148 yards in the opening two quarters. They were up 24-7 at the half, but it turned on this fortunate bounce for the 49ers. Brock Purdy going deep, Kendall Vildor going for the pick. It hits him in the face mask, and Brandon Ayuk ends up making the catch, a 51-yard gain, just how they drew it up. Ayuk would catch a TD pass two plays later. And then after a Detroit fumble, Niners recovered. Purdy with the scamper. That led to a Christian McCaffrey TD. All of a sudden, it's tied at 24. Niners kicked a field goal to go ahead. And then after Detroit failed on a fourth down gamble, Niners pad the lead. Elijah Mitchell powers his way in. But Detroit has just scored. It's very late in the fourth. The Niners are clinging to a three-point lead. Meanwhile, CFL free agency begins Valentine's Day just a little over two weeks from now. The Lions still have time to uh, re-sign the likes of Matthew Betts and Ben Halatic. The Lions really like their core of their team and prefer to keep it together as much as possible heading into next season. 
Job number one right now is retaining our own guys. We still have about six guys to go. We'd like to keep everybody if we can, but it's how all the puzzle fits together with money and, and all that. So that's what we're focusing right now is our own guys. And then uh, once uh, mid-February happens, we, you know, we'll be looking to add a, a piece here or there, but the main, the main focus is retaining our own people. Yeah, it's, it's always complex. You're always looking to add and get better. That's the key every year. But we, we really like the core group of guys that we have. So we're not going to be major players in free agency, but we're never going to turn away a good football player. So there might be a guy or two that, that we can add and, um, you know, we'll go from there. The NHL has fined Tyler Myers $5,000 for that uh, five-minute major elbowing penalty in game misconduct last night against Columbus. At least he did, uh, did not get suspended. The Canucks now have nine days off before returning February 6th to start a five-game road trip in Carolina. But they went out in style last night, coming back from a three-goal third-period deficit to beat Columbus 5-4 in overtime. Just the kind of comeback you'd expect from the first overall team in the NHL. Takes the pass, steps around Johnson, brought Fisher across the ice, scores! You know, to be a, an elite team, you're going to have adversity. You're going to have, you know, penalties. You're going to have some unfortunate bounces. You're going to have a lot of th things. And, you know, th these are the lessons and the, the road to that is these type of games, you know. Um, so you just learn... You keep growing as a team. You know, a lot of high character. Um, obviously, we don't want to keep putting ourselves in those positions, but uh, just the fact that we didn't give up and, and came back and got two points there is huge for our team. NHL today, St. Louis Blues went 3-0 in their Western trip. They beat Vancouver, Calgary, and Seattle all by the same 4-3 score. Against the Kings today, they did it again. Braden Shen gets his third overtime winner of the week. Did it in Seattle and Vancouver. Now in home ice, Blues win their fifth straight. They're now into the second wild card in the West. Western Hockey League action from this afternoon. Vancouver Giants tied it late, but Victoria won in overtime 3-2. Prince George also scored late. They're in a shootout right now at Wenatchee. The Whitecaps still have a few more days in Spain before returning to Vancouver to play their CONCACAF Champions League match against Mexican side Tigris on February 7th in Victoria. But they'll be without young Canadian defender Ali Ahmed, who underwent successful sport hernia surgery. It was a nagging injury that the Caps thought was best to take care of now rather than wait anymore. It's been lingering since last season. Ali will be off for few weeks, uh, maybe a couple of months, uh, in the sense of uh, week that he has to stay off. And then, of course, he needs to be put uh, in the best shape possible to play. But it's better to have him at 100% for uh, eight months than at 50% for 12 months. World Ski Cross from beautiful Samaritz, Switzerland. It was an all-Canadian Swiss women's final. Whistler's Mariel Thompson and Ottawa's Hannah Schmidt racing for gold. Today, Thompson, our Olympic gold medalist, has podium this year, just hasn't won until today. She got out front, stayed there. She wins gold in San Moritz. Uh, now third in the World Cup standings, Schmidt took the bronze. The BC Men's and Women's Curling Championships uh, just wrapped up in Esquimalt this weekend. The women's event was won by the Clancy Grandy Rink out of Victoria. The men's title went to Catlin Schneider, also of Victoria. Both those rinks off to the Scotties and Briar, respectively, representing BC. Earlier this week, Richard Zussman discovered one rink trying to change a curling tradition. It's a tradition right on the back of the shirt. Dating back nearly 50 years, a curling team name is the name of the skip. 
but one BC team trying to change that. We felt different right when we formed this team, so we really wanted to focus on uh, the local community, like seeking local sponsors. The Islanders are on the ice this week at Archie Browning Arena in Esquimalt, alongside the best men's and women's teams in British Columbia. At stake, a berth for the men in the Briar, for the women in the Scotties. The change in name, also a change in attitude. We're noticing teams want to be a part of. Like we were the ones to kind of break the ice and, and go out outside the norm of just naming ourselves. The team still appears on the scoreboard as the Chester rink because Chester will throw last rocks and handle the game strategy. But Corey Chester, Paul Checa, Jay Wakefield and Ty Russell hope they can make a culture change that is more than just the name. We don't like follow the same uh, normality that every other team does where the skip is sort of a dictator. We're very team-like and we feel like branding ourselves as the island Islanders kind of helps, uh, helps show people and ourselves that. I think sweepers and brushers would also be a good uh, team name. Australian Open men's final, Italy's Yannick Sinner playing his first career Grand Slam final. Daniel Medvedev playing his third straight Aussie Open final, but has lost them both to Djokovic and Nadal. What a match this was. Medvedev took the first two sets. Sinner took the next two and then took it up a notch in the fifth. There's the great Aussie uh, legend Rod Laver. Match point, Sinner sets it up perfectly and launches another forehand winner as he rallies from two sets down to win his first ever slam. 3-6, 3-6, 6-4, 6-4, First ever Italian to win the Australian Open. There you go. Shout out to Richard Zussman making it into the sports yeah, segment. Yeah, I know. The guy's everywhere. The guy does it all. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Barry. After the break, the BC chef getting international recognition, not only for her culinary creations. Stay with us. A chef at BC's College of New Caledonia in Prince George has won a prestigious international award for her contributions to the culinary world. Mandy Newcomb has been an instructor at the college for 12 years. She received the award from the global organization Les Dames d'Escoffier, which focuses on advancing women in the food, beverage and hospitality industry. Newcomb says teaching at the college and seeing her students grow is its own reward. It really warms my heart when I see the students, especially the ones who are perhaps struggling at the beginning in, in level one uh, in August, and then comes around and the tables turn, and then they really can shine um, when they find something that they're good at. I like entertaining our guests here at the college as well, not just personally. And um, I think that's what keeps me coming back every day. Like we talked about, I love teaching other people, but I love being creative for our guests and the students. You can always try some of Newcomb's food at the college's restaurant, The Kodiak, which is run by students from the Professional Cook Program. Kelowna played host to a high fashion market today. So this is an opportunity for um, designer clothing, both um, high-end and local designers to come and sell their products here. Well, I personally believe that everybody deserves the luxury and we shouldn't have to pay the highest price for it. So this way the ladies that are already done with some of their luxury items can bring them in. We can uh, sell them for them, they make some money and somebody that wants to have some luxury but can't afford something really high-end, they can come in and purchase it from us. 
The market was held at the Laurel Packing House, featuring over 20 vendors selling brand name shoes, accessories and clothing. The idea is to give people a chance to shop local as well as raise money for the Bridge Youth Recovery House with funds from tickets purchased at the door. We offer a recovery program where they come and they go through a wellness and helping them deal with uh, their recovery um, from their addictions. And giving them life skills that are going to set them up when they go back into the, the real world. The high fashion market is a spin-off of the annual Great Closet Cleanout, which offers clothing at discounted prices. That's scheduled for March 9th at the Laurel Packing House from 12 to 3 p.m. Barry, a uh, quick update on the game. Yeah, it was a 34-31 San Francisco win. So Super Bowl 58, uh, two weeks from today in fabulous Las Vegas, is the Chiefs and the 49ers, which is the same matchup, I think, just four years ago, which the Chiefs won. So familiar foes going there. I think a lot of people are cheering for Detroit. They'd never, uh, never been to a Super yeah. Bowl before, and they came very close. A lot of second guessing would be going on with some of their fourth down gambles, but that's the way they've played all year. We'll see if the Chiefs can repeat. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great night. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.